Hi there, I'm Charlotte Pierce, the producer of Ready Row USA. I'm here with Tara Morgan, one of my favorite Learn to Row advocates. She's hey, the best. Hi, it's good to see you again. You too. It's been forever. I feel like. Um, you know, well, you had us on for uh, Steady State. You know the the big gathering of the podcasters. That was really yeah. fun. That was great. Yeah. Well, well done on that. Oh, too. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to gather up all those great minds. Mm -hmm. um, we're all trying to do the same thing: create great mm -hmm. rowers. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so today we're talking about learn to row. And the yeah. reason I want I wanted to fit this in before the end of the month because learn to row day is coming up on June fifth, mm -hmm. and we were just talking about whether it's a month or a day or a lifetime. But uh, tell me a little bit about why we should be learning to row and why th why this day and all that. Can you? Yeah, you know. I've always considered National Learn to Row Day uh, my personal national holiday. It's like Christmas for me. Uh, like, <laughs> it's a big deal for me. Um, and my history with Learn to Row is that I was hired as a Learn to Row coach at a parks program here in the Seattle area. And the reason parks and rec. Parks yeah, yeah. For a, people, for a lot of people, that's how they interact. You know, they're out mm -hmm. for a walk and they see a parks mm -hmm. department program on the water and they think, hey, I'd love to get involved. And often parks department programs tend to be a little bit more affordable uh, for folks because they do require as part of their mission to be accessible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, living in a place like Boston, I'm sure people walking on the Charles have seen you know, thousands of rowers and it's just part of the culture there where, you, whereas you might live in Wisconsin and you might not see the Mendota Rowing Club, but they're just as, as legitimate as a learn to row source as any place else. I think wherever rowing uh, sparks your interest or sparks your curiosity, it's a great reason to join. Uh, when I teach learn to row the first day, we ask people, why are you here? Why now? Why rowing? And you know just as much as I do that you learn to row as an adult. And it's often because my kid rowed or I saw it in a movie one time or I read The Boys in the Boat or um, mm -hmm. just something is sort of mis mystical about learning to row. For some people, it's a bucket list item. They might just want to check it off the list. I learned to row. Or they might be looking for a new set of friends or a new set of community. Um, I've had a lot of students who are in big life transitions, like they're mm -hmm. becoming an empty nester and they decide, hey, it's my time now. I'm I just ran try. across somebody like that too. Yeah, yeah. She said, you know, what? what's this rowing that you do? You know, she sees my Facebook yeah. page or something and, I, you know, my kids are out of the house now. And do you feel like there's like a lot of like any rowing club across the country, you could just call them up and say, do you have a learn to row program or yeah, do most I, of them yeah. have one? I, I think so. I think mm -hmm. if, if rowing is on someone's radar as something they want to learn to do, they will often find a boathouse that's closest to them, has a program that fits their schedule and potentially is affordable. Um, and, it, you know, a lot of times rowing clubs, we know, offer so many different kinds of learn to row. They offer a weekend clinic. They offer a three-month program. Um, Three Rivers Rowing Association does this really cool program where you sign up for nine months of being on a on a learn to row mm -hmm. team, um, which is a program, a model that I'd love to try sometime. Now you're um, a sweeps rower, so they go into a, a big stable barge generally, right? Generally, when they start 
Yeah, and I think uh-huh. also because the classes that I was teaching at the Parks Department were had a cap of 25 people. Uh-huh. You're not going to have the equipment to do 25 people in singles. Yeah. There's definitely an argument out there that people should learn to skull before they do anything, that that's actually uh-huh. the best way to learn to row, to learn to skull because you learn how to move a boat. But logistically speaking, Putting mm-hmm. people in eights and uh, even get more people in one boat. Yeah. Yeah. You get to do more of a catch all. And yeah. often when we do our learn to row day, like on the 5th of June or whatever the day falls on that year, um, that's typically how an open house works is, you know, mm-hmm. there's an eight on the dock and they let you sit in the eight or they put you on a rowing machine mm-hmm. and they give you a little taste. Um, but you know, some clubs are very much a sculling club. Uh, and so I think that offers its own challenges, but its own, uh, successes in a way. My MO when I teach learn to row is to create happy, motivated rowers who can walk into any boathouse in the world and know what the equipment is called Mm -hmm. and fall into place. They don't have to be a perfect rower, but they can go in and say, I'm a sculler, or I know what I am, I'm port, or I'm starboard, or uh, I'm this level, or I've done these kinds of things. And, you know, we had people take learn to row at our boathouse at Mount Baker rowing and sailing in Seattle, who only took it there, because it fit their, their schedule, they may actually end up graduating and go row Mm -hmm. at a different club. So you have to just create a Mm -hmm. general great, great, great rower. And do you, do you have a sense of like how many people stick with it or, you know, what, what are the keys to, for a club, say from the club's perspective or the coach's perspective to keep people rowing? Yeah, this is probably the stickiest topic and it's actually my favorite topic. (laughs) I knew it was. (laughs) Because I screwed it up big time. My first Uh, coaching learn to row. mm -hmm. And the way that I screwed it up as a learn to row teacher was that I didn't talk to the master's coaches that would be receiving these rowers. And I didn't say to them. Mm, good point. Yeah. Because they're going to graduate into another program. Hopefully. Right, right. Yeah. So I have some tips that I okay. think will help with this. And I am always happy to talk to anyone in any club about how mm-hmm. this works. So my tips are learn to row coaches are not coaches. Learn to row coaches should be teachers before they're coaches. Mm-hmm. They are not just teaching technique. They are not just teaching Mm-hmm. They are teaching people how to synchronize, how to be part of a team. Many, many people who take Learn to Row have never had a coach or have had some sort of athletic experience that was negative. And this is kind of their rebirth. Yeah. In addition to the people who are just looking to try something new. You see a lot of people coming through these transitional times in their lives, divorce, you know, bankruptcy, mm. all this stuff. And so you have to know them as a full person and you have to hire a learn to row teacher. It's a class. It's not a coach mm-hmm. situation. So hire coaches that are more teachers. Now we know that at learn to row programs, this can really dictate how successful a graduate will be because if you have a, a young coach and I'm not trying to be ageist here, but a young mm-hmm. coach is going to come into it as a coach and have different demands and different expectations. A teacher is going to teach the whole athlete. So hire coaches that are teachers, even if they're 18, if they know how to be a good teacher, Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. This is a class, right? We're putting the learn in learn to row. 
before the class starts, the best way to guarantee retention is to have that conversation with the what I call the receiving end. <laughs> the, okay? the receiving yeah. end. So the victim. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah. you teach a learn to row class and you never have them do um, all eight rowing, or you never have them do above a twenty-two, right? Yeah. Or you never teach them these different drills. When they graduate, they're not going to know what a pause drill is or a pick drill is, or they're not going to have at least practiced that. So I used a chart that I created called mm -hmm. the knowledge, skills, and abilities chart. And this yeah. chart basically showed different skills from rowing on the square to pick drill to oarsmanship to carrying the boats, all of that. And it, it indicates whether they should have knowledge, competency, or proficiency mm -hmm. in any of these topics. And before I teach a learn to row class, I go to those master's coaches and I say, what kind of graduate do you want? I don't want to graduate a project into your world. So what's really important about that step too is at that point in the process when you're planning your learn to row class, you need to pre-designate the equipment that is for learn to row. And you need to post this information in your boathouse. These eights, these fours, these quads, and these singles and doubles are for learn to row. So no, the morning of practice at mm -hmm. 5.30 in the morning if they're showing up, there's not confusion and saying, oh, we – we don't have any boats to use. This has happened to me before. We've arrived. What if you've got a club with a really small, you know, like yeah. four boats or something? You know, is there yeah, you need to designate the oars, designate the yeah. equipment, and then post mm -hmm. that information. So if you're using iCrew, yeah. for instance, and a coach is putting together lineups the night before for a master's program that's happening mm -hmm. at the same time as Learn to Row, they know they can't use those boats or those boats are their lowest priority. Okay. Right. Now we oh. have a question. I'm sorry uh, oh, yeah. to interrupt you. Um, just from the rower's perspective, Lily is wondering, you know, is, is commenting that accessibility and costs are super restrictive. So you might have like at CRI, which is behind me in this picture, um, it's a hundred or, you know, 230 or something for the facilities fee. You know, is that uh, something that you have? A, Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of different options with a parks department program where they do have mm -hmm. a scholarship or a financial aid department. Right. Um, when I've worked with clubs that don't have uh, like a accessibility like initiative like that, mm -hmm. if you you know most clubs have scholarships for juniors, you need to designate a couple for masters. Good point. Yeah. You can also do work trade. You yeah, can, CRI does that a lot. There's always yeah. somebody there who's who's working there, you know, doing yeah. the work. Yeah, go to the house, say, you yeah. know, I'd really love to take your program. Can you make any concessions mm -hmm. for me? Um, we all know that rowing is an expensive sport, um, and we don't want those programs to be prohibitive. If you have a boathouse to the gal that's asking that you're a little shy about asking about those kinds of questions, just hit me up, and we'll see what we can sort yeah. out. Because we have our ways. <laughs> have our ways. Um, yeah. One other thing that really guarantees that you're creating a great learn to row graduate is have them do self evaluations mm -hmm. along along the way as they do it. Because then, good point. Yeah. They can. Then they take ownership of the of their progress. Yeah. yeah. They take ownership of their progress, yeah. and then they can also let you know where their where the class is across the board. Maybe. Um, right. I'm feeling a little bit less. 
uh, proficient. And as well, you can also say, how, what are your favorite parts about it? How are you feeling about it? Because mm -hmm. it, is, it is more about that experience. And as a rower, say, you know, from the rower's perspective, as a new rower, what should you be advocating for when you go in? I mean, it's a dicey thing because you might be nervous. You know, you might just be sure. saying these people are the experts and, you know, like what, what should you be advocating for and, and have your expectations? Right. I think you should definitely be a good self-advocate. I think when people get into a coached environment, they tend to be like, oh, well, I'll just do whatever they say. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is your money. And I would remind my all my coaches and teachers out mm -hmm. there, that they are the paying customer and it's their experience that you're in charge of. And it's not your way or the highway. So having a your way or the highway kind of learn mm -hmm. to row is not the way to go. And then also that needs to extend into the full culture of the boathouse. Um, right. We know a lot of people who graduate into a master's program and feel like they're the burden that everyone needs to put up with. So think about that. So one of my biggest, biggest, biggest um, points is to plan the long game. Yeah. Right. And if you understand your learn to row programs, why, then you're going to know your outcomes mm -hmm. and you're going to understand how to do it. So if you, for example, is your boathouse looking to recruit new members? That's an, that is a very real objective for hosting learn to row. But the downfall of that is if you have a class of 25 learn to row students, are you ready for 25 <laughs> offices in your master's program. Yeah. This is a real issue. Well, here's, uh, here's someone you know. Scholarships for master's. Absolutely. You know Rachel, right? She's your yeah. co cohort in, uh, in uh, Steady State. Yeah. We've absolutely. offered programs to do help for master's. Yeah. And just like in, in, in closing, when we just we want to keep this short because it's one of our pop-up podcasts and we're just like, we're just going to try and keep them low stress and low prep. Yeah. Um, but just from... Uh, Oh, from a health perspective, like if someone's out there listening to us and they just like, oh, well, that looks so pretty. And but what's it going to do for me? What are what are the top three like health benefits of rowing? And sure, sure. When you talk to people who want to start rowing, they often will have some preconceived notion about why they won't be any good at it. They know <laughs> they think rowers are just these tall, white, preppy men, right? With with big shoulders, shoulders right? <laughs> Um, rowing is a is a full body, low impact sport that provides community synchronicity. Mm -hmm. um, it provides a lot of things. You could travel with rowing. You could race with rowing. You could be mm -hmm. recreational with rowing. There's a lot of ways to have it. You mm -hmm. can buy your own boat and be your own uh, mm -hmm. be your own rower. So there's a lot of ways that you can interact with nature and water and fitness mm -hmm. all at the same time. And Good rowing. Point, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I travel, I I always like I call I went to Austin for a conference, publishing conference, and I, I went to the Austin Rowing Club and they said, Yeah, sure. They're yeah. they're the, like the nicest people. These rowers sure. are, are by and large, you know, the nicest, most inclusive people. It's, and it's because we've all drank the Kool-Aid and we want you to drink the Kool-Aid <laughs> with us for sure. Um, yeah. but it does yeah. have a fallback of being sort of culty, you know, but it, I, think I know, but let's get let's get rid of that idea. What yeah. about I, I just wanted to touch on like uh, para and inclusion and some of those things like because we've talked to B, um, Brandon Johnson of uh, BLJ Community Rowing in Philadelphia and you know it's just like if you don't see yourself down there it can be yeah. a little intimidating you know yeah 
So rowing clubs, when they do their social media or when they do their websites, they really mm -hmm. should show the depth and breadth of their crew. Um, they should ask for testimonials. They should take pictures of everyone at all stages of their mm -hmm. rowing careers and not just show the superstars. Um, yeah. because, and Brianna Johnson is kind of the queen of inclusive learn to row. She just really has, has yeah. set the standard for anyone can do this and anyone should do this and come on down and play. Well, I think they're, aren't they a waterside club, you know? So she said, yeah, when yeah. they're out there, they, they have these just people from the community, you know, African-American or whatever, um, just kind of yeah. walking by and they say, hey, what you doing out there, you know? And yeah, it, yeah. it's a visibility. Uh, it's I a visibility thing, yeah. That's one of yeah. her big things, because if you, if you talk about rowing, most of the time when someone sees a boathouse from the outside, from the parking lot, they don't see what's actually happening. So this is right. a uh, brought up last year, mm -hmm. show what's on the other side of the boathouse. Like, you know, they can't see what's over there. So uh, visibility is a big thing and seeing yourself out there. So for para or for inclusive and even for people who have a perception that they won't be good at it mm -hmm. or they fit in, yeah. um, just go and just go take a tour. You know, you don't have to wait for a class to start. Go take a tour, knock on the door, say, hey, can I take a look around? And I'll bet you five people will try to recruit you on the spot, you know. We do that. Yeah, we always try to be when you're a member of a club, you should be mindful of that too. Look for the new, you know, and people just kind of yeah. scoping out. But listen, Tara, um, how can people get a hold of you uh, if they need more advice on Learn to Row? Yeah, so I teach para and I teach inclusive and I also just teach masters Learn to Row, regular mm -hmm. masters Learn to Row. So people can find me at tmorgan at steadystatenetwork.com. I'm part of the Steady State Network. That's kind of the easiest catch-all way to reach me. Um, I have other okay. projects that I do, but it's a great way to get connected to the rowing net, rowing community and hear about what we call the real life rower story. So we're not talking yeah. to big fancy elites. We're talking to the everyday rowers. That's the yeah, thing. that's what I like about what you do. You know, you really, you have that vibe always. And I really appreciate that because yeah. as someone who started rowing when I was 56, yeah, so you know, it's not about being an elite rower. It's just yeah. about being welcome. If there's, um, you know, boathouse administrators or future learn to mm -hmm. row teachers who want some advice. I could talk about this all day long. I did talk about this a bit on the up level your rowing, which okay. was a program, a masterclass that was offered last month through Chris Coughlin uh, back East. Mm -hmm. And that video is available to watch. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me to check out that video, it talks a lot about inclusion and about nice. the journey of learning to row. So is that, is that on steady state? Is that linked on steadystatenetwork.com? Uh, I think so. I'll, I'll get yeah. rid of it. Okay. We'll get people to you if they have questions. And thank you so much, Tara, for your time and expertise. There's just a lot more to say, but I love uh, June 5th is Learn to Row Day. If you want a benchmark thing to celebrate and yeah. learn to row, do it then. LTR. Or do it, do it uh, in July if you want. <laughs> okay, Tara, thanks so much. Thanks, Charlotte. Bye, hon.